Uh, we're going to jump into his word together for a few minutes tonight. Last week, uh, we spoke about the story of Nehemiah rebuilding the, the walls of Jerusalem, the hope uh, that they kept looking forward to. And we talked about how it, it really relates to the church uh, today. The, the, that, that realization, the hope that we have is that Jesus is building his church. No matter what's happening uh, around us or what, the, what may be happening with culture, uh, it, we know that he's still at work. And uh, it, it's, it's uh, something that we are, are grateful for and confident in. Uh, tonight, we want to celebrate the light of Christmas. Uh, as we think about Christmas and putting up the lights, I'm in, I'm like... You know, I like Christmas lights, uh, but I hate putting up the Christmas lights. You know, I, I'm like Mark Griswold uh, would just, just, it's just not my thing. Um, I'd prefer to wait for my neighbor who, my father-in-law who loves putting up Christmas lights. I prefer to wait till his lights are up and then just do one of these instead. And, you know, like ditto across the road that, that I feel like that. I just, I just can't get myself to do that. And, uh, you know, I actually, that's even a little much for me. Like, I actually would prefer to do nothing and just drive around and look at other people's Christmas lights and think about, wow, look at all the work they, they put in. Uh, I love that Jarvis is having this big competition of, you know, the, the lighted up competition because it really gives me, you know, the chance to go out and enjoy Christmas lights, just thoroughly enjoy them without having any of the, the, the headache of trying to put that up. And so uh, thank you for doing that uh, for those who live in Jarvis. Uh, but there's, there is, to be honest, there is something special about seeing Christmas lights. You know, just, just to the, the festivity of that, of that season. There's just something about light. I, I, don't, I don't know about, about you, but light in the darkness always, it intrigues me. It grabs my attention, and you know, it's, uh, we dig into the word tonight. We're going to find out that uh, light played a, a predominant, a predominant role in in how the the uh, authors of the New Testament described God and uh, uh, and and how Jesus revealed Him to the world. So let's jump right in. First John, you can go there. First John one, uh, John, uh, the writer of these letters, he's an eyewitness uh, follower of Jesus. So he was there, he saw, he heard the voice of Jesus audibly. He actually even says in, in one of his letters, uh, in, it's actually a letter to 1 John, it's the very first verses, he's like, this, we touched this guy, we heard him, we beheld his glory. We're not talking about something we heard about, we heard him, we know him, and that's who we're, who we're speaking of. And, and John, as a result, is giving, you know, he's giving himself credibility, saying, hey, you can trust me, I was there. Uh, I'm not telling you something that, that I didn't see for myself, but, but John actually goes one step further and he says, you know, the credibility isn't that I was there. The credibility is who was speaking to me while I was there. And here's what he says in 1 John 1 verse 5. He says, this is the message we heard from Jesus. He said, this is not my message to you. This is the message I heard from Jesus. And he says, and so that is what I declare to you. Here's the message from Jesus. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. John says, you know, Jesus came into the world to, to reveal the Father, to reveal the Creator. They knew that there, the, the, there was a God of the universe. There was a God who created the universe, but they didn't really know much about Him uh, other than what He had revealed through the prophets. And so God sent Himself into His creation to reveal Himself through, uh, through Jesus. And Jesus' message to them was, hey, you want to know what God is like? Let me tell you what God is like. God is light, and there's no darkness in Him at all. James, the brother of Jesus, also would write later in uh, one of his letters that he, he wrote to the, to the uh, Jesus followers saying, 
You know, every good and perfect gift comes from above. And then he describes who it's from. He says it, he's, he's the constant one. He never, he never shifts or changes. There's no shadow of turning in him. I, I, I just reminded of that old song uh, that, where they sing those lyrics. It's, it's not like the stars, the sun, the moon, anything else that moves in the sky and the shadows change. He's like, no, this, this light is constant. You can count on it always being the same. John would actually describe it in his gospel in John chapter 1. Uh, he describes Jesus as God on the planet. John chapter 1, he says, verse 9, he says, the one who is the true light who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. That, that's how he described Jesus coming into the world. He's the true light. Verse 5, just going back a few verses, he says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. That, that word, the darkness, it, it can't, it, some translations say it can't comprehend it. The, the darkness doesn't understand it, doesn't necessarily comprehend it, but it also can't extinguish it. We'll never put it out. Uh, and again, it's that reminder that the light is constant. That you can count on him being who he is. First John, back to First John, First John 1 verse 6, John says this. He was challenging some of the false teachers in the early church who were saying a bunch of different things. That, uh, and he challenges them with these words. He says, so we're lying if we say that we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing the truth. He, he says, if you're, if you're in fellowship with the light that has no darkness in it at all, he says, well, then if you say that, but you're living in spiritual darkness or walking out your life in a practice of, of darkness, he's like, you're not, you're not being genuine. You're, you're actually deceiving yourself. You're fooling yourself if you think that's the case. I think it's a great you know, warning for us that we'd say, am I living in truth? Because it, it was this, rem, this reminder saying being in fellowship with him leads to living in the light. That word fellowship is the same word that that Luke would have used in the book of Acts when he talked about the, the early church. And we've talked about it so many times, how the, the one another, they were, they were in a walking, talking, doing life together, caring for one another relationship. That's what John's describing. He says, hey, when you're in a walking, talking, uh, caring for one another relationship with God, it's going to lead to you walking out and living your life in a certain way. And that, that way will not be um, walking in darkness you know, as I look at the world uh, around me, I often, you know, you notice things seem dark. See, things seem darker. Uh, it, seems like a, it seems like a dark place, in, uh, especially in the spiritual realm. Uh, and you're know, just reminded of, you know, the, the, that saying that, you know, be in the world, but uh, don't be of it. You know, be in the world, but not of it. That, yes, we are going to be in, in this world, but he's saying not to be, you know, overcome by, by that darkness. Don't live like the world around you. We've talked about that often in Romans 12 where Paul says to the Romans, don't be uh, conformed to this world's way of thinking. Don't, don't allow your mind to think like the world thinks, but actually be transformed, be renewed in, in the spirit of your mind. And we said that idea of being um, conformed to this world, doing things like the way, the way the world does it. As I think about it, especially, you know, these days, it'd be like, it'd be like a person setting, setting down a flashlight and then walking away from it. Or being, you know, down in a basement, going down the stairs and where the light is, walking instead, walking away from that light into the darkness. But not just walking into the darkness, walking into the darkness, looking for light looking for uh, an answer, looking for, looking for the light that, they have, that they're leaving behind. 
You know, wisdom would tell us, if you're going to go into a dark place, you, you bring a light with you. But it's almost like the, that thought of we're walking away from the light, and when the light is being offered, it's like, I don't want your help. I don't, I don't want the light. You know, in our, in our world today, it feels, like, uh, it feels like our world just seems hell-bent on finding another answer than, than the answer of, of, of God or the truth of his word. It's like, they, we don't want that to be the answer. We'll find another way. We'll attempt to solve our own problems. And man's, we've said it so many times, when men try to solve men's problems, they end up with bigger problems. You know, this week there was a new law passed. Man's great ideas as to like, hey, we're, you know, we're, we're going to set precedent for, for the future. And uh, you see in our, in our parliament, everybody's, you know, patting each other on the back as if they've done the country some great service. And if you're familiar with the law that's been passed, what they've actually done is, is now remove the possibility of hope for people down the road who may want that hope for themselves. Thinking we've solved the problem, but in, in doing so have removed a hope that people may definitely want someday. And, and, and that's where um, Paul's um, challenge to the Romans was don't, don't think like the world thinks. Don't rely on your own understanding. Don't, don't try and fix the problems all on your own. You, you're not God. You don't have it within your capacity to do so. And instead, he calls them to renew their mind to his word, to his truth instead. And that's in 1 John 1, it carries on in verse 7. Because he says, but if we're living in the light, if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I mean, you think about the, uh, the, the description of that. If we're living in the light, like, uh, and, and living in the light because, uh, because of the fellowship that we have with God. You know, it's from that verse preceding, that if you're in fellowship, if you're in that one another walking, talking relationship with God, it results in something in your life. It, it's John's point of view was not just that, that he wanted to give a description of, hey, this is who God is. You know, hey, you need a light. God's the light. His, his whole purpose behind this was saying, hey, when you're in fellowship with the light, it's going to affect the actions. It's going to affect me. It's going to affect you and the way we live, that we would live in that light as well, that we would live in him. And the result of that is, is fellowship with one another, that, that community with one another. We talked about it last week, that the, the, the basis for, for community and being knit together is not that we all look the same, agree with everything with one another, but simply that we look to him. That is our common thing, is that we are connected to him. And same, same here's what, uh, same thing John's saying. If you're in fellowship with him, you're going to be in fellowship with others who are in fellowship with him. And he says, and the blood of Jesus cleanses your sin. Now, what a, what a great uh, promise as we've been singing about the songs, you know, that, that, that love, that selfless love of God, that we don't deserve it. We can't earn it. And yet he's given that for us. You know, the, as John begins to talk about you know, Christ being the light, that, that God himself is the light, and that that light is meant to come into the darkness and cause people to be light bearers. Matthew actually talks about that. Matthew is another eyewitness of Jesus. He wrote down the most famous message that we, that we know uh, that Jesus spoke. If you, if you haven't had a chance to watch The Chosen, I'd encourage you to watch it. There's a spot in there where it shows Matthew and Jesus, you know, how it may have happened that they were writing out this message, the Sermon on the Mount. Worth watching, but here's a portion of it, just a small portion portion, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, Jesus says to his disciples, he's like, you are the light of the world. 
Here's the light of the world who came in to light up the world, saying to his disciples, actually, guys, fellas, you guys are the light of the world. And like a city on a hilltop that can't be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, that lamp's placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone else in the house. In the same way, verse 16, so just like that lamp is set on a stand, he's like, let your good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. He's like, you, you are the light. To his disciples then, to his disciples today, you are the light. So you living in the light, you actually become a light to the world who's living in darkness. That's, that's the genius of Jesus. Realizing that by, by coming and being the light of the world and, and allowing his followers to be a light, that light would shine and permeate the darkness of the world. And his command is to them is, let your light shine. Don't, don't hide it. Make sure it's shining. Nobody lights the lamp and then hides it. And he says in that same thing, Jesus follower, disciple, you are the light, so don't hide out. Don't find yourself, you know, hidden somewhere. Be a light that shines. You know, just preparing for this, I thought about some of the attributes of light, and there's many. But as I realized, you know, some of the ones of just natural light just, again, speak so um, volumes towards the fact that he's the light and that we've been called to be a light. For instance, here's, here's a few. Number one, light clarifies. Light clarifies or brings clarity. You know, the further you get away from, from the light, the dimmer things are. If you ever, you know, try that out in the outside, you know, as you're walking away from from the source of light, it gets more and more difficult to make things out. I, I remember playing hide and seek uh, in in the dark with uh, friends when I was, a, you know, as a teenager, and and remember being able to scare people because you know as they, the person seeking is coming up and they, they can't they'd say oh man like you look just like a tree you know like you I was right up against a tree they they couldn't tell the difference you you turn like daylight I mean they see it right away but as you get further away from the source of light things don't appear to be. Uh, what they really are. You know, the light exposes things uh, as well. When the lights come on, man, you find, you find out the, that there, was, um, there are things that, that you didn't know were there. All of a sudden, wow, now, now you know. Uh, I remember last year we put a light up in our shed and it's a motion detector. As I went to the shed, uh, I got there. All of a sudden the light clicks on. This big rat runs across. I was like, oh, you know, I had, I had, I had no idea that there was a rat in my shed until that moment. Was the rat uh, you know, all of a sudden just appeared at that point? No, the rat was always there. The rat was already doing damage, be, you know, behind the scenes, but I didn't know until the light shone in. And scripture tells us that the light exposes, the light of even with scripture exposes things in our life as well. When Jesus came to the planet, the light of the world began to expose the darkness that was going on in the world. And it's, you know, that part's not pleasant. You know, in the scriptures, and maybe even tonight it happens in your life or happens in my life that it, it shines in, it, he investigates our hearts. It's like, it's almost like the, you know, when somebody's driving down the road and they got their brights on and you're like, you're trying to look away the whole time, but you, you can't because you got to stay on the road. It's, that, it's that, um, that, that shock to the system sometimes of how bright that is. That's, that's sometimes what happens when his truth begins to expose lies in our lives. Lies either that we believed, lies that, we're, that we've lived it's that discomfort, though, that causes people to, to remain distant from God. It's easier to live, in, to live the lie than to face the light. And unfortunately, unfortunately, many will say, oh, I don't, I don't want the light. I don't want the help. I'll find my own answer somewhere else. But we know that it's, the truth is that, that there is no other answer. There is no other light in that darkness but him. You know, the, the, the thing about clarity is, 
Light actually has the, the ability to clarify our path or to direct our, direct our path. You know, David sings about it in his epic psalm, his uh, epic psalm about, you know, how much he loves the word of God. It's the longest uh, chapter in the Bible. It's Psalm 119. If you just read verse 105 with me, it says this, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. He says, your word, your scripture, it, it's, it's, it's showing me the direction for my life. You know, David had it back then, but Paul would later write to Timothy and say, hey, man, that's, that, uh, that scripture, it, it directs our lives today. That's what its purpose is. 2 Timothy 3.16, we read a couple weeks ago, all scripture is inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what's true. It makes us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us to do what's right. It's like basically saying, hey, it shows you the path that you were on that's not right. Corrects you and shows you, hey, this is the way, this is the way to, to live. This is the way to walk. And God uses it to prepare and, his, um, and equip his people to do every good work. So the question that I think we have to wrestle with is, like, do we treat his word as supreme truth? And before you're quick to answer, like, oh, yes, amen. Yes, God's word is true. Yep, uh, amen. Uh, before you go that far, just just take a minute to think about your life and how you look at Scripture and how you look at the world. You know, we, we talk about having a biblical worldview where you look at the world around you and you look at it through the lens of Scripture. That you look at, you look at the world and say, ah, this is what the Bible says about what's going on in our world around us, about our behavior, about our condition before him, uh, about humanity in general. We're like, hey, we see the world through the lens of scripture. Do we do that? Because I, I think the tendency and the temptation is to flip it. That we'll say, we'll begin looking at the word through the lens of culture. That's what actually is, is, is uh, uh, the attempt uh, in our culture right now is that we would adjust the word of God because that, that truth is like we said before, it's like, oh, it's offensive. It's like, it's right kind of, sometimes it gets right up in your, in your face and it's like, I'd rather, I'd rather adjust scripture to, to, be less, <laughs> to be less uncomfortable for myself or for others. Because when we look at what scripture says about sexuality or about gender, or what, is, what does scripture say about identity? What does the light say about things like divorce or, or authority, uh, authority over your family, authority structures in the world, authority of government, authority of, of um, uh, education, pa- parents, uh, all of these things. What does scripture say about? What does scripture say about health? What does scripture say about life? Do we, do we look at that and say, you know what? It doesn't matter what anyone else says around me. I'm going to hold to what is truth. The unfortunate thing is that for those who decide they will hold on to truth, that's how the greatest love story that was ever written will be rebranded as hate speech. It's not hate speech in any sense of the word. But when we look at scripture through the lens of culture, that's where it becomes. And I think it's important for us to realize that his word is a light to our, to our lives and that, that we would embrace that. Second is light cleanses. You know, the, uh, we were talking about this, this, this item here earlier, put this picture up on the screen, and they're like, is that a lightsaber? Is that like a, you know, a, oh, I don't know what they called it, a, a, some, some sort of, you know, the Star Wars paraphernalia or something. But the, this thing is the UV light from, uh, you know, from a home or whatever. But the UV light's design is that as the water passes by, it kills all the bacteria along the way. 
That this, that's the purpose of that light. And and that light cleanses. And, you know, we see that through scripture as well. When when we talk about uh, Jesus being the light of the world, where he came, like darkness was just driven out in front of him. Uh, Jesus was, when he came into contact with evil, evil lost every single time. You know, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 27, you can read the story about Jesus casting out demons from people. And, and all of a sudden the religious leaders came up and they're jealous. They, they, they weren't able to cast out those demons. And they're like, this guy's power is from, you know, from Beelzebub. He's casting out demons by the, by the master of demons. And, and, and Jesus makes this uh, statement saying, you know, hey, like, fellas, you don't understand. Like, if, if, I'm, if I'm evil and casting out evil, that's like civil war. No, no, no uh, kingdom's going to stand if it, if it fights against itself. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, darkness can't drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate can't drive out hate. Only love can do that. You know, it's like, wow, look at how famous he is. That, that's basically Jesus' words. <laughs> Jesus' words and the way he lived his life is that very statement that darkness can't drive out darkness. That's why the light came to the world to do it. That's why, the, that's why we needed the light to come into the world. That's why we needed him to come. The world's, our world's only hope um, for darkness to be driven out is for the light to shine. You know, I, I think as, as, you know, as Jesus' command to us was to shine, light doesn't have to go and try to get rid of darkness that's not the point of light. Light's not going like, oh, I'm going to go nitpick and go see who I can find and be like, I'll tell them, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll offend them and, you know, we'll get rid of all the darkness around us. That, that, that's not how that works. Light just simply has to arrive. Light just simply has to shine. When light shines, darkness just leaves. It, it, that, it, darkness is the absence of light. So when light is present, uh, that's all it simply takes. Simply shine and darkness simply leaves. Light brings clarity. Light cleanses. And third, light comforts. Uh, you know, there's uh, light therapy is something that uh, uh, the last number of years psychologists have recognized that, you know, with, uh, with depression and seasonal uh, things and, and multiple other things now, even depending on the, the tone of, of the light, it, it has these therapeutic um, qualities for people. It can change their, their moods and it, it's a, yeah, it brings, it, it's a lifter for people. And it's, it's interesting when you think about that because light actually, you, you might see it um, even, even in a smaller way, if you have children, you know, if they're scared in the room, well, you just, what do you do? You turn on the light. And what happens? It changes the, it changes the mood of the child. Because just like we said before, when, when you flip on the lights, it'll expose what, uh, what you didn't realize was there. Light also exposes things that aren't there. It reveals to you that things you think are there are not there at all. There's no monster under the bed. There's nothing hiding in the closet. What, what's light doing? Light simply dispelling fear. Fear lives and thrives in darkness. You know, our world is just, is not just full of fear, but it's like addicted to fear. It's, it's like if, you know, as things start getting better, it's like, oh, we got to turn things up to get people more scared. Like, like they eat it up. Like, oh, oh yeah, look, guess what else is coming? Guess what might happen? Man, I've been there myself many a time. But when light comes in, man, fear just, it has no it has no hope when truth comes in lies have no have no chance to stand and i wonder if our world is as full of fear as it is simply because the light isn't shining bright enough now the light we've got we've we've gotten down into trenches and different warfare rather than just simply shining as we talked about last week he's building his church that's what he's building the the, the light that shines in the world giving them a chance to see 
their Savior. You know, our world's looking for hope in all the wrong places. And Jesus is like, you know what? I just, I just got to get my people to shine. Then people will have a chance to see what they're really looking for and realize it's not a what, but a, a who. You know, we're meant to shine in this world. You know, as we shine, it'll expose the darkness around us. We need to choose to walk in the light regardless of whether anyone else does. Uh, And we can't actually do that. We can't actually shine if we hide the light, if we hide the truth, if we refuse to speak or refuse to to act out in truth. And what does Matthew, what does Jesus say uh, to his disciples that Matthew records? He's like, let them see your good works. Let, Let them see your good works. What is, and just so we don't miss that, we are not the source of the light that we're shining. We, we're not the ones that are like, oh, look at us. Look at how amazing we are. Uh, secular humanism and now humanism have that thing. Just be good for goodness sake. You know, it's even in some of our Christmas carols. You better be good for goodness sake. Whatever the Santa Claus coming to town. Uh, that, that thought, just be good for goodness sake. Um, Simon Sinek, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce his last name. But I just listened to a thing where he did a a humanity experiment. And he was just talking about do good because you'll actually feel better for doing it. It's it's hardwired in us. And and yeah, it sounds like a a good idea, but it's actually a Jesus thing to say, hey, it's better to give than to receive. You'll find that out. You'll find the truth of that. But that wasn't Jesus' um, reason or or, uh, his... his, the purpose for why he was doing that. He wasn't saying, hey, I want you guys to, you know, shine because you'll feel better. I want you to give because you'll feel better. That's true. That will happen. But there's something much bigger than that. And, and, and here it is. So we kind of wrap this thing up. Paul explains this further to the Corinthian believers. He's like, this is what's happening when you shine. Second Corinthians 4 verse 5 to 7. He says this, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. That's not why we're doing this. It's not about us. It's not about, wow, we're the light. You know, Jesus said, we're the light of the world. Look to us. Look to the church. Look to these people. Look how amazing we are. He's like, that's not what we're doing. He's like, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. That is the message. He says that Jesus is Lord. He's Lord over all. And we encourage you to choose to, to submit to that because on the other, you choose the other side. It will not go well for you. He says, we preach that Jesus is Lord and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. Verse six, for God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts. You see the yellow? God has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse seven, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves, we're like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that the great power is from God. It's not from ourselves. You know, for some translation says we carry this treasure in earthen vessels. And I was thinking about that. I thought about, I thought about how um, the, in the spring we made maple syrup as a family. And we put it in these mason jars. And uh, I thought, you know, like the, if I was to say, you know, to hand out a mason jar full of syrup to somebody, the value is not in the jar. The value is what, in, is what it contains. Because I say, hey, you know, let me give you a mason jar of syrup or I'll give you a mason jar. And you're not wanting just the mason jar. There's nothing to that. And I think that's what happens to us sometimes is we get too focused on the jar and not focused enough on what's inside the jar. We, and I think that's part of the enemy's plan. He gets us focused on us. I can't shine because, well, I'm not good enough. Or, you know, um, this week hasn't been a good week for me, you know, or, uh, you know, my neighbor saw me yelling at my kids. I can't go tell them about, you know, Christ now, you know, and it's all this focus on us. It's like the jars got, you know, the jars got uh, dirty and it's like, it's whatever. And now it's like, I don't know. He's like, listen, 
It's not about the jar. Yes, you're the light of the world. Why? Because you contain the light in you. You just need to let them shine through. You know, there's that old country song I was just going through my head as I was preparing for this. There might be a little dust on the bottle, but don't let that fool you about what's inside. Don't sing any more of it because it gets, you know, it's not appropriate. But he's like, that's basically the same thought. It, It doesn't matter if there's imperfection in your life. The idea is that you don't focus on that, but you focus on who's in Side, the treasures, Jesus. That's what Jesus meant when he encouraged his disciples to shine. They will see God. They will see your Father in heaven. They'll see him. That's what Paul meant when he encouraged the Corinthians. They're going to see God shining in you. It's his power, not you. And that's the encouragement for you watching today. As you shine, let them see God. That's the encouragement. That's why Paul in the very following chapter says this, 2 Corinthians 5.20. He says, we're Christ's ambassadors. God's making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to, <laughs> come back to God. That, that's the call. That's the call of Christmas. That's the call of the light of the world is come back to God. It's not, about, it's not about people. It's not about us. It's not, it's not about the church or the gathering. Though those things are important in the life of believers, the call is to come back to him. That's the relationship that's been broken by sin. He's like, come back to God. Verse 21, he says, and here's the, here's the way there. God made Christ who never sinned to be an offering for our sin so we could be made right with, Christ, right with God through Christ. That's how John's segment of the letter ends in 1 John as well. Verse 8, he says, if we claim that we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves. We're not living in the truth. He's like, you know, if you want to say, ah, you know, we're, we're good enough, <laughs> pat yourself on the back. He's like, you deceive you. If, if you if you're measuring up to the wrong standard, you, you might look at others and go, wow, compared to them, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty great. I, I'm, in, I'm pretty much a saint compared to some of those people. He's like, but if you compare yourself to the law of God or to Christ, you realize, whoa, whoa, I have so far to go. He's like, if you think you have no sin, you're, you're deceiving yourself. And that's the bad news because what does that do? That leaves us all in the place of like, uh, we're all in this together. We, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Paul would say, amen, and wrote it down in Romans. Yeah, you're all in that spot. It's bad news for all of us. But he follows it up and says, once you realize that's the bad news, here's the good news. But if we confess our sins to him, if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness or all wickedness. That's the good news. That's what he did for us. That he went in my place and hung on a cross in my place so that I might be made righteous through him, through what he's done. That's why that's why we celebrate the birth of Christ. That's why it's worth celebrating that the light has come to the darkness. Why? Because I was in that darkness and I needed that light. And so does the world around us. And that's why we celebrate, you know, the, the resurrection, his, his conquering of death. Not just at Easter, but every day is that realization that it's because of that. And it's because of his sacrifice and because of him that I have a chance to live out the life that I have now, forgiven with him in fellowship with him, to have the chance to live in the light. And that's a daily, daily choice. DC Talk is, um, I just leave with these words, it's reminded of this song, just simply the, the, the chorus, it says, I want to be in the light as you are in the light. I want to shine like the stars in the heavens. Oh Lord, be my light and be my salvation. All I want is to be in the light. You know, I think there's... Uh, <laughs> It encapsulates everything. You know, yeah, I, I want to be in the light. I want to be in fellowship with you, Father. 
Because as a result, I'll walk in the light. But not just that I'm in the light for me. I want to shine like the stars in the heaven, that they might see you shining through my, my life. You know, there is something special about seeing the lights at Christmas. There's something even more special about being the light at Christmas and every single day. How do you do it? Just real quick, here's, here's the recap. Number one, fellowship with God. Just get into that spot where like, wow, God, I just need to slow down and just have that walking, talking, <laughs> one another relationship with you. Let me do my day with you today. Whatever, wherever I go, whatever I do, Lord, may I be aware that I'm doing it with you. It's that, it's that fellowship with him that leads to living in the light. And then through his word, like we saw earlier. And, you know, it's, uh, I think it was my brother-in-law, Jamie, was just mentioning that Jesus is the word. That's what John said in the beginning, that as you're spending time in his word, you're spending time with him. As you're sowing it into your heart, it's like, wow, allowing that word to shine in there, to do what it needs to do in our lives that we might, we might live out the light and it may affect our lives. And then finally, that the Holy Spirit would lead our good deeds. I loved, you know, even as people were taking these cards to go and, and purchase certain things for, uh, for, for uh, those in need in our area, uh, they were just challenged to go and pray about it. God, what do you, what do you want us to, to purchase? What, what do you want us to put in this gift that will show your love to these people? I love it. Spirit-led, good deeds shining for all to see. Why? Because people need to see God. And they need the church to shine. That's the whole thing. He's, he's not... He's not just going to, you know, send another star in the, in the sky like he did the night he arrived. He's got his star shining everywhere through our lives, through, through our choice to be in the light. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you, for, <laughs> thank you for your word. Thank you for allowing us to see the light, for giving us the gift of faith to put our trust in you. Oh, Lord, thank you for washing away our past, for taking us on, on a new path for setting us in that place and giving us a chance to walk in the light, to walk in life with you. It's, it's unbelievable when you think about it, to be in relationship with the God of the universe. Father, I know there's people who haven't experienced that or haven't experienced you. I, I just pray that through this message and through your spirit at work in their hearts, that they would do like we talked about tonight. Simply confess that they need you, that they're a sinner in need of a Savior. Thank you for saving us, Jesus. Thank you for uh, being the light that shines in this world and being the light that shines through us. May we give you tons of opportunity and see the opportunities everywhere around us this week. God, may you be glorified. May you be glorified by the way your church lives, lives this day with you and for you. We love you and we're thankful that you loved us first. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, we've got a couple uh, questions we'd love for you to chat about with somebody. And uh, maybe you're like, oh, I don't like your questions. That, that, that's fine. I would love for you to just make up your own questions. Um, and to, but to just dig in a little deeper with, with some others. Hey, what did you think of that? Because a lot of times, that's where God begins to just drill down so that it's not just like, oh, I heard it, and, you know, click off, done, and, and forgotten. But let it just permeate and affect and change our lives. So here's the question. Number one, what jumped out of you? What was something you heard? And you're like, eh, I had to think about that a little bit more. Second, um, would you say that you're walking in the light today? Uh, why or why not? What does that 
look like? The, the fellowship with God, the in the word or being led by Holy Spirit and good deeds. Uh, what would you say to, to, to that question? And then uh, third, do you look at the world through the lens of the Bible? Or do you look at the Bible through the lens of the world? That's a tough question, but I think it warrants discussion in, in what areas and, and why would you say what you, what you say? Do you think scripture is, is supreme overall? And then uh, finally, you know, what do you think hinders believers from shining for Christ in word or deed? And I put believers in there so you don't have to talk about you. You can talk about somebody else. But uh, what do you think hinders it? Because I think what hinders other believers hinders us as well. And to say we realize, hey, there's hindrances, but he's called us to shine. And so we're going to do it. We're going to shine uh, and, and light up our world this Christmas. So thank you, Kingsway, um, for being who you are. Uh, as Gary said earlier, thank you for your generosity. It, it truly is a blessing to uh, just have, have experienced the last couple of years and to truly have been able to be a blessing to so many around us. And we plan to do that this year as well. Uh, just know that we love you and consider you those who are online or those who are in the chicken church or home churches or wherever you are, that we are one big family with one mission to uh, reach out to our world and to shine for him. So till uh, next time, have a fantastic day and a fantastic week. We'll see you.